Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2019. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita City Council Member Brian Fry. Welcome to Issues 2019. Thank you, Steve. Nice a pleasure have, being here. Nice to have you with us. Give us some background. Where you where you grew up, what schools you attended. Oh, you bet. How uh, much time you spent in prison, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> Let's start with the easy one then. Okay. Um, raised in Wichita. My family moved here from Oklahoma when I was two and uh, went to Wichita Public Schools. Uh, back then it was still junior highs, uh, so Coleman Junior High in Wichita Southeast. Uh, proud Buffalo, raised on the east side of town, uh, back when uh, east side of town was Greenwich Road, and now it's you know far, so far out now. Yeah. Um, but then went to Wichita State, graduated with a BA in marketing, and uh, my first job after college was with Simon Property Group, the people that own Town East, and I was based in Dallas, and I didn't like the job well enough, and I said, I'm coming home. And uh, landed in television uh, at Channel 3 and worked there for 11 years as marketing director and then changed channels and went to Cake for 14 years. Mm. So 25-year veteran of local television. Okay. But behind the scenes, this uh, not a face for television. When you, uh, <laughs> when you were a kid growing up in, in East Wichita, what did, what did you dream you would be when you grew up? Oh, wow. Uh, who didn't want to be a professional athlete, right? A uh, football player, a baseball player, a motorcycle, uh, ex- you know, whatever it was. Anything sports-related, I was into. Okay. That's the truth for a lot of people. A lot yeah. of men, at least. So that, that, that was a big deal. And a superhero. Uh, obviously, I wanted to be a superhero, oh, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. This explains... Uh, never mind. <laughs> it explains the suit I have, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I like that... That big B on the chest. <laughs> Can you uh, recall a special teacher or coach who had an influence on you when you were growing up? Oh, wow. So many. Mm. Um, I, you know, I had a great uh, fifth grade teacher, Mr. McGaw. Uh, he was a, a, just a character. Mr. Price, uh, Coleman Junior High math teacher. A lot of people in Wichita re- remember that name. Um, but I just had some great teachers, uh, coaches, obviously, uh, playing football and baseball. So... Just a lot of positive influences. My parents were probably my strongest influence, though. Okay. So. Now, you were uh, elected in April of 2015 to, the, to represent District 5. What is that geographic area? So basically, District 5 is northwest Wichita. Uh, generally speaking, it's north of Maple and west of 235. Hmm. So when you think of New Market Square, Sedgwick County Zoo, Bishop Carroll, all of that area. So you went to the other side of town. Yeah, right? <laughs> became a squinter. So, so, now, uh, <laughs> so now you're not a snob anymore. Right? <laughs> I went from yeah to be a squinter. There you uh, go. No, my wife and I um, were looking for a different house. We were at our first house on the east side of town, and then uh, we went out west on a lark just to see what was available out there, and found a, a perfect piece of property. And it was like, yeah, this this feels right. And so we've been out west now 17 years, raised our two children in May School District, um, but inside Wichita city limits. So, 
Why why did you decide to run for office, Brian? You know, I've always believed in giving back to the community. During my television career, we always did a lot of uh, events, nonprofit fundraisers, and I served on a lot of community boards, nonprofit organizations. And for me, it's just always been part of giving back to the community and being invested in it. Um, I believe if you want to get something done, you have to be in the trenches. And making this the best city it can possibly be, um, political office just seemed to be the next extension. Um, I served on the park board for eight years, and that really got me a taste of city politics and how we could uh, shape the city that way. And so it was just the the next step. So within District 5, is Kowski and Creek in, in yes. your district? So yep. We had some scene of disastrous flooding several years ago. Oh, yes. But talk about the improvements made and how that floodplain has, has performed during the, the recent heavy rain. Well, there's been a lot of improvements because of those events uh, several years ago. Uh, then Councilmember Longwell was instrumental in helping get a lot of federal dollars to help us with both the cow skin and the cow skin. Uh, significant improvements were made at Kellogg and Mays right there at, the, at that juncture. Um, there was stuff made upstream uh, in the 29th and Mays Road area. The Proct Wetland Project uh, added some more retention capacity. So uh, there's just been a lot of improvements, um, better awareness of people needing to uh, take care of their properties and help uh, throughout it. Um, so we haven't seen the issues that we had seen, you know, 10, 8 years ago uh, because a lot of significant improvements have been made. So we've been very lucky. Yeah, and there's a lot of ponds out there, new ponds and places like that. Yep. And although you see higher water, it's not uh, not disastrous like it was. No, we've been able to do some things to help mitigate it, to hold more rainfall than we've ever had. Obviously, this is, what, the second heaviest May we've ever had. Maybe now the first after yesterday's Could storms. Be. Yeah. Um, but everything's been working correctly, and, you know, the big ditch <laughs> has certainly lived up to its name. It's It's been operating fantastically. So, you know, some investments that were made years ago are paying off, and, and you know, thankfully people had the vision and foresight to do it. Recently, the city council has been talking about uh, CLAP, uh, CLAP Golf Course. Yes. And uh, what's going to happen with CLAP Golf Course? What do you think? So we know that as a golf course, CLAP doesn't work anymore. Um, the park board and the city council both have – uh, agreed that it needs to close as a golf course and needs to be repurposed as something that is is a better fit for the neighborhood. Um, I was on the park board when we looked at the golf courses back in 2012 as a way to adjust them, and we made some changes, and they succeeded for a few years. Uh, but the game is, is struggling nationwide. Um, rounds are down throughout all of our courses. I just saw... Um, a stat this week that said rounds are down almost 40% uh, for this year already. Part of it's certainly due to the weather, but the game itself is is struggling. And we're just not seeing the rounds played at all of our courses like we used to. And we think CLAP has a better purpose than just as a golf course. It's a tremendous piece of property. It could be a, a destination regional park with some amenities that the neighborhood can use. Because right now it's strictly for golf. And if you can put in some facilities, some equipment, some some recreational opportunities for the entire neighborhood, um, I think it could benefit a lot more people. And we still have four great golf courses in the system. 
Now, you, uh, one of the things that's coming, I know the weather is sooner or later is going to start getting warm around here. <laughs> Let's hope. And some some folks are going to take to the water. Uh, what's what's going on with the aquatics plan right now as far as the swimming pools and water parks? So that's a real exciting project. Um, I know we've had a lot of discussion in, in between the park board and the aquatics master plan committee the city council, and we've had a lot of different proposals. I think you're going to see uh, a proposal coming forth in the next few weeks that will have six pools uh, remain open and refurbished and six new splash pads. Four of those splash pads will be at replacement sites for where there were pools. Two will be brand new ones. Um, so we're going to uh, renovate um, Harvest Park Pool, Ailey Park Pool, Evergreen, um, McAdams. <laughs> I'm trying to remember them no, all. It's all right. um, and, and so six pools get, and I can't remember the other two right, right now, right. Uh, College Hill, yeah. and, and then what's the fifth, the last one? <laughs> but uh, they will all get remodeled, new amenities put in them. McAdams Pool gets reopened, um, and they're going to made be made a lot more attractive, a lot more uh, fun with some uh, different uh, zero-depth entries, um, slides, climbing walls, you know, a lot of new activity. And then they're all going to get, you know, better curb appeal. There are going to be some more improvements, some additional uh, dressings to make them look better. And then the closed pools will get new splash pads. And these are very, very imaginative uh, unique splash pads, just not a uh, water fountain shooting out of the ground. These are going to be pretty special. And so that new master plan um, will come to us uh, in June, and hopefully we can get started at the end of the season and have uh, next year at least some new splash pads and some refurbished pools. So we're pretty excited about it because it's it gets something for everybody. It touches all parts of the city. We get to reopen the McAdams pool, um, and so it's it's going to be a nice investment. The uh, Orchard Park was the last one. The Orchard, okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I grew up on the west side, and uh, one of the things that was attractive to uh, my mom and dad moving here from Dodge City in 1961 was we could be one block from the school, grade school, I'm one block from the uh, Westling Swimming Pool yep. and within a block of our Methodist Church. where we see, uh, That's where we sat. Then they opened Harvest Park yeah. up to the north. So we had two city pools within a mile of each other. Right. That was the demographics because the baby boomers were everywhere at that time. Yep. But the demographics, demographics, things change. Well, and so you've also had a lot of developments that are now starting to put in amenities within right. their right. Uh, property. So you're seeing playgrounds and swimming pools and soccer fields put in neighborhoods all as part of their expense. And so I know that when we did the park recreation and uh, open space master plan a few years ago, the goal was to have a public park or open space within a mile of every resident. Mm. And that's something that we continue to work towards. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly it's easier um, in the inner city and the central core where we already have a lot of facilities. You start getting out to the suburbs as the city pushes out um, it's more difficult because there's less land available, and we don't have the budget to purchase acreage. And so it's very important when those neighborhoods are putting those facilities in. It really adds to that quality of life for everyone. What are the biggest issues within your district, the northwest part of town? Um, one of the big issues is a police substation. We have 
Uh, West Wichita has exploded with growth in the last 20 years, and the p- closest police substation is at Central and Elder, which is just east of 235, and, and that's a ways. Um, it's a tight facility because it's combined with the fire department, and so there's, not a, there's no squad rooms, there's no uh, evidence room, there's no holding cell. If they have issues um, where they need to do any of that, they have to go all the way downtown. And, and that, again, it's a very tight space. There's no separate locker rooms. Uh, it's, it's just a very big challenge. And so identifying the, the land for this facility out west and establishing a patrol substation out west is probably one of the biggest priorities. you got a new water plant going on North River Road, right? Yeah, So, and, and again, that affects the entire city. The, yeah, the, yeah. the water treatment plant that we have right now was built in the 30s. So when you go into this facility, it's next to Botanica, and there's a plaque with Franklin Delano Roosevelt <laughs> on it. You know this has been around a while. You bet. And uh, so it, it's been operating very well for like I said, the decades, but it, it's below capacity. There needs to be better redundancy, better protection for our citizens. Um, you know, we're supplying water to 14 communities, half a million people, all of our industry, uh, the military base, and if something goes wrong that facility, then we're in, you know, deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to take the necessary steps to build a new one, and we've been working on that for the last several years. We identified a plan. Uh, we have a team, a development build team designing it right now. We applied for some special financing that the federal government um, allows to get some really low interest rates. Um, the idea is that we design this and build it within the next five years, and it's operational, and it's, and it's 120 million gallons a day mm. of clean water. And that's a very important infrastructure project that we've needed for a very long time. And it's sited for right there at 21st and Hoover, across from the Sedgwick County Zoo. And so, like I said, they're working on the design right now. And we hopefully get started on construction uh, maybe even late this year, the first part of next year. You're listening to Issues 2019 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Wichita City Council member Brian Fry. Uh, we've just begun uh, River Festival 48. Talk about the importance of this annual event, please. So this is just a, a treasure. Um, it's seen nationally as one of the top festivals uh, in the country. Um, I think that's when Wichita really gets its groove on. And everybody, uh, you know, we may have had some bad weather for the last few days, but that opening night parade, man, you see all the smiles and the community excitement, and everyone's really proud to be a Wichita that night. And um, it just sets up a, a great way to start the summer. I'm so happy that it's in June now. When it was in May, back in my TV life, I could never really participate because it was sweeps month, yeah. uh, ratings period. And now that it's in June, I think the, the weather is better. But it really just kicks off your summer the right way and gets people excited. And, and it's a great way to show and demonstrate community pride, whether you're, whether you're watching the parade or participating in an event or just going down there and buying a funnel cake. Uh, it's a great way to show and demonstrate community pride. Get out, meet your neighbor, talk, you know, participate in something. Uh, it's just a great, great event, and it's seen nationally as one. Right. So um, I'm thrilled that the festival has just really taken it to another level these last few years, and looking forward to, to a great week. New stadium under construction. What will, will it be completed in time by <laughs> next spring? 
With all this rain, who knows? Boy, I'm knocking on wood, right? Yeah. Um, fortunately, they've made some great progress uh, leading up to all this weather event, and a lot of the concrete base foundation stuff is in. And uh, they've got cranes on site right now, so you're starting to see steel arrive, and that will allow them to go vertical. Um, again, with most of the foundation and, and concrete stuff in, um, I think they're past a lot of their weather events. I remember there was a picture that they had a few weeks ago with a kayak in, in the dugout because <laughs> there was so much water. Um, but, you know, we're so excited about that. That's going to be just an amazing uh, amenity right there on the river. We're hearing some great uh, development activity with the, with the church property to the north with George Laham and Dave Burke, Dave Wells, Jerry Jones and their group, uh, what they're working on, and then the team with their development activity. Uh, it's just going to be a, a great uh, ballpark village, and Let's, can't wait for that to get going. Let's talk about the convention and fine arts facilities. Two different buildings? Is that what we're looking at there? I think we really need to separate the two. We know that convention facilities do not work in a round space. Um, most convention halls are now rectangular, so you can set up like a grid, and you can have your 10 by 10 or your 10 by 20 booths, and you can maximize the square footage that way. Uh, doing that in a round building, you really end up with a lot of wasted space, and, and that just doesn't work. You also have the issue with the sound and, and being next to the symphony hall or the concert hall and, and having multiple events going on. That sometimes can ruin your enjoyment. Uh, if you're listening to some classical music or a theater show. And so um, separating those two facilities and um, what they do, I think, is key. Um, and we can also then maximize the space for both facilities instead of having a bunch of dead or unused space. Well, it's the future of Century 2, then, the big round building. What do you think? Well, I think we have to start first with the convention center and get that identified, its placement, and start construction on that, because that way we can get the revenue generation from the increase in tourism dollars and convention dollars, sales tax, to help fund the performing arts facility. Um, as the master plan is being developed right now, there's a lot of uh, territory right there between Waterman to Douglas, from Maine to the river, that the city owns that we're not using the most efficient way. Uh, and if we can identify placement and flow and and how we can use I'd love to see us reuse the old central library. Uh, to me, that building still has life. There's a way to hopefully repurpose that. Um, whether it's as a venue or overflow for, for conventions or, or just, you know, I don't know yet. But I think we need to identify that as a, as a keeper. Um, and then once we get the convention space out of the way and figure it out, then we can f focus on the performing arts. Ken, Wichita, anticipate more regional and national events in the next few years? I mean, they say we're, we're missing out on millions. Oh, absolutely we are. Um, we know that the round building has got challenges for performers and for shows. The stage is not deep enough. It's not wide enough. The ceiling height doesn't allow for uh, what some of the production requirements have today. Um, so just a lot of issues with the way the facility is set up. We know that the uh, we have to use Kennedy Plaza as the loading dock uh, for a lot of these shows, and then they have to hand truck everything in in a, in a very circuitous route instead of being able to go right to the stage door and unload. That makes it challenging. That's added cost for these shows. 
and so we know the building itself doesn't work very well, um, and that's why I think we're missing out on a lot of shows. Um, we've had to do Lion King on a scaled-down version, um, and, and I know it's coming back. We've had to do some other shows on scaled-down, and that just you know limits your enjoyment. Cities involved in the annual budget drafting uh, process. Will the city avoid raising the tax mill levy again this year? I think that's uh, always a concern. Uh, I'm, I'm a budget hawk. I'm a fiscal conservative. And I'm always going to look for ways that we can uh, be operate more efficiently, save money, and, and do things um, privately if we can, instead of having to raise tax dollars. Now, I also think that if you would have told us 25 years ago that the city was never going to raise the property mill, we probably would have done things a little differently and probably not gotten into some things that we do now. Um, you know, raising the property mill is always an unpopular discussion, and I get that, and I'm not a fan of doing it. The state has put some limits on us as to what we can and cannot do with property mill, and so we have to be very inventive and very imaginative about how we can do things. You know, this last year we added 32 new police personnel um, between detectives, staff, patrol officers, community police officers, but we didn't raise taxes. Mm -hmm. So we can get creative. We can figure out how to do these things. Um, Just raising taxes is not the answer. You uh, Now I'm going to give you the big question that nobody seems to be able to answer, uh, (laughs) and that is... uh, We've got uh, a jobless rate down around 3%, which is full employment. We've got several thousand jobs out there. Now we need people to come in and take those jobs. How are we going to get those workers in here, Brian? What are we going to do? That's a question that is plaguing cities and states across the country. My other job when I'm not doing council stuff is with the Kansas Chamber of Commerce. And we hear that in our communities across the state that their unemployment rate is very low as well. And they need to retain their people, and they need to attract new people. And then as I travel, I hear the same thing happening in states. Um, So everyone's faced with the same challenge. What we have to do is continue to make this the best city it can possibly be. And that goes back to the quality of our spaces, making sure that we have great public spaces so people want to live here. They want to stay here because we've got the amenities, the attractions, the recreational opportunities. Because jobs are available. It's what is your community that makes it special. Um, And so that's what we have to continue to focus on. I want us to have the best roads that we can possibly have. I want us to be the most inviting city so that when people are here, they feel welcome, that they want to ask their friends and relatives to move here because it's just a great community. And we have to do that with it's got to be a safe and secure community, and it's got to be a community with great public spaces. What's the biggest challenge in serving as a city council member? Finding the time. Um, This is supposed to be a part-time job, but to do it the right way, you have to be invested and you have to be committed and dedicated to doing it. Um, And so um, it's, you know, not unusual for me to start my day at 7 a.m. and not get home until 8 or 8.30, and then I'm usually working on other stuff into the night. So... um, the, the time of what it takes is the biggest challenge. What, what, and what's the best thing about it? Why, why do you do it then? Hmm? Um, because I know what we're doing is moving the city forward and trying to, like I said before, making the best that it can be. Um, I've always felt that this is just a, a great 
treasure and it needs to be shared with more people. And we're seeing that. We're hearing it. That's why we've got companies like Cargill and Spirit and Textron continuing to invest and continuing to build uh, here um, because it is a great community. And that's what I enjoy the most about it. A lot of exciting things going on in Wichita, and uh, it looks like you're right in the middle of it. So. You know, it, it's a great time to be in Wichita. I, it's a wonderful time to be in Wichita, and it's probably the most exciting I've seen it in my 30-year career here. Uh, the community pride and momentum is the strongest I've ever seen it, and we're getting national press and attention, and that's fantastic. All right. Well, listen, thanks for spending some time with us, and maybe we can invite you back another time here in the next few months. I so much appreciate it, and you do a great job. I'd love to come back. Our uh, guest, Wichita City Council Member Brian Fry. That's all for this edition of 2019. Uh, Issues 2019 will be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.